we do church together. It's now a great privilege to invite Al up to come and preach. Let's give him a welcome. Am I on? Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you. And I'm going to have the pleasure today of sharing something with you that I trust will be helpful if this will come up a little bit. Fantastic. What a joy, eh? What a joy. Let me just say something straight up. There's no one quite like Jesus. Tell you that right now. Today's old firm day in Glasgow. Biggest football rivalry in the biggest football rivalry in the world. Rangers and Celtic. I have my team. I like my football, but they don't compare. They don't compare to how great he is. And it's all about him. And that's the most important thing that motivates me in my life above all else. Today we are continuing in a series called Death for Life. And it's based on this book here, here called Death by Love. And uh, we're looking today at the subject of Jesus is my redemption. Okay, Jesus is my redemption. Now, uh, basically this whole series is based on this book and it's about a bunch of people that come to a pastor and they ask for advice and help with various things they're struggling with. Now, I don't know why I was asked to do this one, uh, but it's pretty uh, straight to the point. Okay, so I hope today you will know that I love and care for you you, but I have to cover a topic that's pretty straight up. It's pretty boom, okay? So the title in the book is Lust is My God. And I'm thinking, great, thank you very much. I've got this one to preach on. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you just a little um, flavour of what the background is to this chapter before I get into the actual preaching. Keep Bear with me. He seems like a pretty good guy. In his early 40s, when you first meet him, he looks you in the eye, he flashes a broad smile and has mastered the corporate arts of firm handshakes and meaningless chit-chat. His beautiful wife sweetly stands at his side, tenderly embracing his arm and holding his hand, their fingers interlocked. How romantic. His young children are the kind of adorably cute and well-behaved blessings from God that couples pray for. Tragically, it is all an illusion, like a river with a calm appearance but with a deadly undercurrent. This man, Thomas, would tell you he's a Christian and would be able to answer correctly the basic questions about Christianity. Furthermore, he would tell you that he believes Jesus is God and that if you do not repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, you'll die. You'll go to hell, he says. He's so charming, confident, smart, successful. He's actually been approached and asked to consider helping to lead various ministries in the church. However, he won't tell you that he's never been faithful to any woman in his life, including his most recent wife. In fact, he has trouble remembering exactly the number of people he has committed adultery with or the number of times he's been unfaithful to his wife. He cannot recall the last day he did not spend at least an hour online viewing pornography. To make matters worse, until recently his wife was clueless about his double life. His sick excuse for not telling her was that it would break her heart and he wanted to spare her the pain as if he were a concerned, loving husband. The hard truth is that he's afraid she'll leave him and take his sons and half of all his considerable wealth with her. Thomas has become so self-deceived that he actually thinks getting an occasional sexually transmitted disease test to ensure that he does not infect his wife makes him a good husband. Occasionally his guilt overwhelms him, and he responds by running to alcohol, which only makes matters worse, and he becomes more depressed, less discerning, and more reckless. Most often, however, his guilt compels him to work long hours for penance, as if he could do good as if he could do enough good things to counterbalance his sin. 
you thought you were coming today to a nice cheery <laughs> dedication, which it is. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the reality of the world we live in. We don't go as leaders in witch hunts, but I know in every church, in every community of the people of God, there will be people who are struggling with some of that stuff. When I was a young boy in the church, uh, I used to get the standard Christianese answer. You walk in the door and the leader says to you, how are you? And if he said, fine. That was the standard Christian answer. Fine. Every blooming week. Fine, fine, fine. And I grew up and I thought, this is a load of nonsense. Are you telling me that every single week in your life, every day's been brilliant, every day's fine, you've got no major issues, and you're great. As they say in Glasgow, you're hunky-dory. Everything's brilliant. I soon realized it's fake. When I meet brothers, and I have met brothers, particularly brothers, over years, who are struggling with porn, they love Jesus, they want to live a pure life, but they're struggling with porn. For example, like Thomas, this is the real world people. But praise God, there's an answer for every addiction, every sin. There's an answer, and that answer is found only in Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm going to preach about today. We, we're not here to preach and sing about any football team or anything else. Have you noticed today in this community of the people of God, we get tremendously excited about Jesus? That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. If you come to church and you don't hear much about Jesus and how fantastic he is, can I say it lovingly, you might need to change church. All right? Get amongst a community of the people of God that are excited and passionate about loving the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the background to the story. I'm sorry if that's made you go, that's a bit of a bomb right at the beginning of the, of the sermon. But that's the context. Okay, let's move on. What is the problem? Next slide, please. Thomas, in our story, is out of control. Sin rules in his life. He loves this world. Now hear me carefully. Loving the world as a Christian is right in the sense that we love and care for those around us. And we care for them and we want to show the love of Christ to them. But what John is about to tell us is, this man Thomas, he loves the ways of the world. He loves the way the world operates. And basically, one of the problems in the world is this. Live for yourself. Do your own thing. As long as you're successful, inverted commas, whatever that looks like. Bigger cars, better cars, more cars, bigger house. Golf club membership. Kids that are dressed in Armani, Versace, whatever it may be. Nothing against that if you wear one of those shirts. I've just got next today. I hope that's okay. Just next. Okay. <laughs> but we have all these glorious, apparently, ideas of what success looks like. This man has got caught up in loving the ways of the world. He's living a lifestyle that's not in line with someone who follows Jesus Christ. John says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. For all that's in the world, here we go, he describes what does this worldliness look like? Well, the desires of the flesh. That's probably got a lot of sexual connotation in terms of what your flesh longs for sexually, perhaps. But it could be other things. It could be gluttony. 
It could be food, 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 food. I want more, I want more, I want more. Where we eat more than we need and we keep on eating more than we need because we just want to stuff ourselves. And I know how that feels. It's quite difficult to lay the galaxy bar down (laughs) when I've had two or three strips. And my kids say, Dad, could you share that with us? Oh man, that's a challenge. (laughs) That's a challenge. The desires of our flesh, me, 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 what I want, what I want, what my body wants, whether it's food, whether it's sexual uh, fulfillment, whatever it may be. And then he says, the desires of the eyes. Wow, wow. Let's get to the point. For me, straight up, I'm a heterosexual man by orientation. If a gorgeous woman walks past and I go, wow, she's gorgeous. Praise God, you appreciate beauty. End of. Stop there. That's probably okay. But the moment I step over the line, she's... Imagine what that would be like. Nah. Gone too far. Gone into sin. Gone into sin. Thinking of a woman, in this case, in a wrong manner. You're not honouring her. You're seeing her as an object of your desire. Someone to be used for your personal gratification. You've stepped into sin. The desires of the eyes. Sometimes the desires of the eyes may not be sexual. They may be things like, look at my neighbour. Look at what they've got. Look at the stuff they've got. He's got better clobber than me. She's got a better car. They've got a nicer house. Look at that extension. They've now got 12 rooms. That's not your average Glasgow housing estate, okay? I just thought I'd tell you that. They don't normally have 12 rooms, okay? But there we go. And whatever it may be, we look at the desires of our eyes and what we see and we think, I want to have this. This is the way of the world. Rather than looking at what God desires. And finally, John says, pride in possessions. I, many of you know I'm a school teacher and I teach lots of boys and girls, obviously, hundreds of them. And I say to them, Find a job that you love, that pays well, and remember to make time for those that you love and those that are around you. Some people need to work long hours. I'm not knocking that. But we must be careful that we don't get caught in the rat trap where we think, I've got to earn more, 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 more. And while we pursue that lifestyle, our family life deteriorates. We never see our kids. We get we get to the stage where they're 16 and they go, oh, you're my dad. You're my mum. So I say to the children, it's not all about that. Find something you love, hopefully pays well, but give your priorities to the people that are the most important in your life and give your priorities to the things that are the most important. Not running after possessions. Does God want to bless us? Does God want to care for us? Is he the Lord's my shepherd? I shall not be in want. Absolutely true. I believe in his provision. God's been gracious to Debs and I and our family. I'm blessed beyond measure. God's been so good. But I'm not living for the possessions. I'm not living to get more possessions. I'm living for him. Seek first, the Bible says, seek first him and he'll give you everything that you need to be able to function well in this kingdom. Next slide, let's move on. So the world is not referring to the people. We're meant to love people. The world's referring to the various ways that people live in sin against God. I've only listed a few. There's loads. Pride. Pride is massive. 
Pride basically says, thanks very much, God, I'm okay, I'll do it my way, I'm fine. Uh, a, couple, a week past Saturday, Nick, Essie and myself went into the castle park in town. And before Nick arrived, Essie and I were chatting to some people about, about Christ and about the gospel, the good news. And a couple of people told us, that, just be a good person. That's what they said. That's all you need to do, be a good person. And I said to them, who defines good? You might think this person's good. Somebody else might think that person's good. Who defines good? There's no standard in the world if you define good. I've got some good news for you. None of us are good. How great is that? None of us are good. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're all messed up. What a cheeky blooming Glaswegian. I came to church today and that bloke wants to tell me that I'm messed up. Well, I'm, I've been messed up. I'm only put right. And I'm a, I'm a work in progress because Jesus has transformed my life and he can do the same for you. But we're messed up people. Pride, lying, drunkenness, sexual immorality, gossip, slander, stealing. I had a friend in my teenage years that came to church and uh, he, was, he was an alcoholic and yet he was a very young alcoholic. He was probably in his late teens, early 20s and was already dependent upon alcohol. And sometimes he would turn up to church a wee bit under the influence. And I remember people... Oh, yeah, he's a bit loud when he is. He's a bit loud when he comes to church. He's had a few bevies. Do you know what? The same, the same attitude didn't always apply to that. For those who missed it, sorry guys. That. Some people can go around the church, stirring up trouble, gossiping about other people, saying unkind things. But somehow, when people have got a public issue where they're struggling. It's made a bigger thing. No, 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 no. All the ways of the world. Worldliness is going your own way against God and doing your own thing. Driscoll, the writer of this book, says you cannot simultaneously love the world and God because you can't run to sin and God at the same time. You're either going after God with all you've got or you're living a life that's alien to running after God. He says true followers of Jesus sin. We can all identify with that. Those of us who've become Christians, we still sin. Sometimes, uh, as a younger man, I used to meet people who thought, if you claim to be a Christian, you're some sort of perfect person now. No, no, we still sin. But we don't love sin. As Thomas, this guy Thomas does. Even as we sin, we hate what we do. I wasn't going to... I wasn't planning to say this in my preparation, but I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit today to say this. When I was about 20-odd... Uh, I, w- I was involved in a church in Scotland and I was going to Romania to visit a church there. And uh, I took off and I, I, I got to Hungary and I, I, st- I had to stay in a hotel for one night in Hungary and then in Budapest and then catch the train the next day to go into Romania. And I'm cleansed and I'm forgiven, I know that. But in that hotel room, I flicked the telly on And there was some stuff on there that uh, I still struggle to put out of my mind. There was porn on that TV channel that I watched for not ages, but long enough to be damaged. And I got on the train the next day and I set off to serve God in Romania. Really, I'd been so fired up and so excited about to go to Romania to help the church there and make Jesus known I was absolutely drained, wrecked by what I watched the night before. I got on the train and I felt absolutely battered and beaten and absolutely no use 
What's the point in getting on this train to go there to tell people that Jesus, when that's the gunk you watched the night before? And I have to say to you, please don't tell me watching stuff like that, it may be violence, it may be porn, watching stuff like that, don't tell me it doesn't affect you. Because it did. I had to say, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm turning away. I'm sorry. I repent. I want you to forgive me. But it took me a while to shake it off. And I look back in my life and I think, if I'd gone to Romania filled with the Holy Spirit instead of having watched that nonsense, I look back and think, how much more effective would I have been? So can I say that lovingly? That's a personal experience. Don't go there. Not because I'm waving a wand at you or a stick to say, don't go there. I'm saying, please don't go there. It wrecks you. Male or female, it wrecks you. Let's move on. The Bible says, a man or a woman is a slave to what's mastered him. Is there anything in your life today that's mastering you? It might be gossip. You can't help yourself. Maybe you just like to talk about other people and stir it up. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's, maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe you come to church and you seem so happy. You go home behind closed doors and you're getting hammered. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to tell you there's a way out. There's hope, praise God. That's why we're here. There's hope. You can be free. I don't know if someone here has got this constant ringing in their head. I can't help myself. I can't stop doing it. We're here to help. You've got a problem. You need to be free. I don't want you to be here because I love you guys. I don't want you to be here in 20 years' time saying I've still got a problem with that. I want you free. God wants you free. God wants me living in freedom every single day over every single sin. That I live a life to the full. Because Jesus said, didn't he? I've come that you might have life to the full. The fullness of life. Not half full absolutely overflowing full. That's what God's got for us. Now, very quickly, I'm going to come over here. Sorry, camera. All right, these doors, I want to show you an illustration, right? In Exodus chapter 11 to 14, there's a story there about a people of God called Israel. They were being oppressed. They were in slavery. They were being mistreated by the Egyptians. Badly, badly oppressed. God said, finally, after lots of opportunities for Egypt to turn away and to repent and stop what they were doing, finally God said, I've had enough. I've had enough. My patience has run out. I love you, I care for you, but you need to be disciplined. And God says, I'm going to have to punish the Egyptians. But he said to the Israelites, here's what to do. It sounds pretty gruesome. Take a lamb without defect And I want you to slaughter it. Watch. And I want you to put the blood, the blood round the doorposts of your house. And when I come to bring judgment, every single house that's protected by the blood round the doorposts, you'll be free. But every other house that does not have the blood, every other house that's not covered by the blood will experience judgment. What did Roy talk about earlier today when he came up the front? He said, the Lamb of God. This picture from the Old Testament tells us if you're under the blood, you're safe. If you're not under the blood, 
you're under God's judgment. One day, grieves me to say this, but I have to be truth, truthful to the Bible. We'll stand and give an account to God for our lives. I ain't going to be able to tell God how, how good a boy I am. I'm going to just plead and say, I know Jesus. I've been saved by Jesus. If it wasn't for him, I've got no hope. Read the story for yourself when you're at home. Beautiful story of deliverance for the people of God. But heartbreaking for those that reject the rule and reign of God. Finally, just about there, nearly. <laughs> Possibly, maybe. <laughs> Next slide, please. What's the solution? Who's with me? Whatever's the problem, it's always good to have a solution. Yeah? And I've got good news for you. A Redeemer has been provided. This church is called Redeemer Church. Some churches are called Redeemed Christian Church of God. Redeemed. What does it mean? It means there's a Redeemer. Praise God. And what that means is this. Redemption is synonymous with being liberated. Freed or rescued from bondage and slavery to a personal thing. The Lord Jesus Christ has come to set you, me, free. Hallelujah. Without him, there's no hope. But with him, there's great hope because he is the Redeemer. Listen to these beautiful words, some of my favorites from Peter. He says, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Empty. Those of us in the room who are now followers of Jesus look back and we think, I used to live an empty life. The empty way of life handed down to you from our forefathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Ah, there it is. A lamb without blemish or defect. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let me tell you, I get excited. You might have come to church today and say, who's that clown in the front row who jumps up and down and gets excited? I get excited because he's saved me. I get excited because he's freed me. I get excited because he's the only way. I get excited because he's alive forevermore. And I love him. Not because I muster it up. I love him because he first loved me. That's why I get excited about Jesus. You know, I say this to the church regularly, so to my visiting friends today. If I can go to a football game and jump up and down, sing, raise my hands, clap, get excited, put the offering in for the ticket. If I can get excited when my team win, why, oh why, oh why, can we not be excited in church? When the Lord Jesus has done so much more than any football team can do for us. He saved us. I, I, love, I love listening to some of the worship from my African brothers and sisters. And I love it. I sometimes say, I feel like a black man trapped in a white body. Because actually, actually, they express themselves. They, 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 and I love it. I love it. Go on, people of God. All my brothers and sisters, learn to express yourself in some way. Please, don't just go, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. Please, come on. If you love him and he saved you, get excited about it. Come on, yeah. Okay, next, next slide. <laughs> While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us. Hallelujah. 
to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to do good in order for God to accept me. I want to do good because I've already been accepted. Hallelujah. He's, he's accepted me already. That's why I love to do good. Not because I'm trying to impress him. The solution is found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. I just want to say something here. This got me going, man. It really did. Isaiah says this about the Lord Jesus. Just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured. Beyond that of any man. And his form marred beyond human likeness. Jesus died the most horrific death on the cross. Because of all my mess. All my sin. All my rebellion. All my bad stuff. And all yours. Let me tell you. There's nothing wrong with wearing a nice cross around your neck. Or nice cross earrings. They're pretty. But this is not pretty. This is horrific. His, he, he, the thing that moves me so deeply is that he was not recognisable as a, as a man, as a human being. He was not recognisable. His body was so, so slaughtered. <sighs> on my behalf and on yours, I want to say to you today, if you're not a Christian, if you don't want to follow Jesus, all right, that's your choice. What on earth is he doing on that cross? Dying a death like that for nothing. Why is he killed? Why is he slaughtered on the cross? The Lamb of God slain for us. He's unrecognizable. Why? If it's for nothing. I've got to say to you, you mind Jesus. I love you. Thank you for giving it all for me. That's what we sang about today. And those of us in the room who know and love him, we feel the same way. I plead with you. Please, whatever you do when you leave this place today, go and research it. Go and look into what Christ has done for you. Why did he die? He died on my behalf and your behalf to purchase us. To purchase us. To give a beautiful gift to his father. It ain't pretty. It's gruesome. And I ain't going to apologize for telling it like it is. Because that's what the Bible says about his death. It was gruesome. It was gruesome. Let's conclude. So you might be saying, okay, thanks very much for that. Can we go now? Well, not quite. Unless you want to, you're free to go. (laughs) But how? We've described the problem. There is a solution in the death of Christ on the cross for us. How should we respond? Let's go to this quickly. Conviction. Anybody ever realise this, that this is a gift from God? When God brings us under conviction, it's because he loves us. Not because he's standing over us, ready to beat us. It's a, convi- it's a conviction that comes from God. Some of us have a very tender, very tender conscience. I'll tell you a funny story, lighten the mood just for a moment. When I was a young boy, I went to the local park. And uh, I saw some nice flowers in the park. And I thought, I'd like to bless my mum. So I went and ripped out a whole, <laughs> a whole bunch of flowers from the local park. And I took them back to my mum and said, Hey, mum, I just wanted to get you some nice flowers. And uh, 
straight up. My mum said, thanks very much, son. That's very, very kind, but where did you get the flowers? <laughs> and because I'm not saying I'm better than you, but I was a, I was a, wee, a wee bit of a goody two-shoes, you know? And I, I was a very sensitive child. So I owned up right away, you know. Um, the Catholic Church would have loved me because I confessed to just about everything, do you know what I mean? I confessed to everything that was going. And, um, and basically I said, well, Mum, I actually stole them. I actually took them at the park. And she, she said to me, thank you, son, for the flowers. They're very, very sweet, but please don't steal flowers from the local park next time, all right? Some of us have a very tender conscience. We know when we do wrong. Some of us have a conscience that's quite smashed up. So when we do wrong stuff, we just, woohoo. We don't tend to bother too much about it. We need to see and feel the gravity of our sin. If you're going to come to Jesus Christ and say, I'm yours, you need to know what it is you're saved from. You need to know the weightiness of the fact that your sin separated you from him and that he's come to restore that. Confession. That's agreeing with God and telling the truth about who we are and what we've done. That's our response to God's gift. When God brings us under conviction, our response is to say, you're absolutely right, Lord. That's true. Guilty as charged. But thank you that there's someone who can forgive and can rescue. Repentance. I've said this before in my preaching. Repentance is an old word. I used to uh, see occasionally an old man with a sandwich board in Glasgow. You know, repent now. You know, if you're, a, if you're a painter, it's repaint now. Uh, repent now. And they had used to have billboards walking around it. And often they were an object of scorn, mockery. Repentance is this. You walking this way, doing your own thing, 180 degree turn. I'm going your way, God. I'm going your way, Jesus. It's a change of mind. It's a change in direction. That's what repentance is. And the last slide, thank you so much, is restitution. This is where you start to get your phone out and check your bank balance. Okay, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Please don't boo. There might be people in the room who work for the tax office. Okay, but Zacchaeus was a dodgy tax man. You might be thinking, what's the difference? They're all dodgy. No, no, they're not all dodgy. There's people with integrity working the tax office. All right. But Zacchaeus was a dodgy tax collector. He was a wee guy who climbed up a tree because he heard Jesus was coming and he wanted to see Jesus going past. And uh, I don't know if he realised what was going to happen, but when Jesus walked past, Jesus catches him right away and goes, hey, you! Well, sorry, Jesus has not got a Glaswegian accent. Hey, this young man, I'm coming to, I'm coming to your house today for a cuppa. Decaf tea and a Victoria sponge, perhaps. <laughs> or a scone. So as my English friends say, a scone. A scone. Scone! It's a scone! It's a scone. Scone. Okay. Whatever they were having, he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. And the guy's going, oh man, what's this going to look like if he comes around my house and he starts asking me questions about my tax dealings? He has such an encounter with Jesus. He says to him, I'm a, new, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a changed man. Half of my goods, I'm going to give half of my cash. I'm going to give it away to the poor. More than that, if I've nicked anything off people, if I've robbed anybody, I'm going to restore it four times. Now, I'm a maths teacher. I'll help you out. If, if, he, if he nicked 25 pounds, you multiply it by four, he'd have to pay 100 back. Got me? Fantastic. You've all passed. Grade seven. Fantastic. I'm having a laugh, all right? But he basically paid it back fourfold. Why did he do it? Because he met someone special. His life was never the same again. And he made restitution. Let me challenge you today. Is there somebody you're ripping off? It might not be financial. 
Is there somebody that you owe something to? If you encounter Jesus and your life's changed, you need to put it right. And finally, wow, big one, reconciliation. We could talk about people who've hurt us. I'm not going to go there today. I'm going to talk about people we've hurt. Reconciliation, responding to the Holy Spirit when he prompts us to be reconciled with those we've hurt or damaged. Now hear me very carefully, pastorally. There are some places not to, there are some places not to go. I'm not saying you have to go and hunt out your ex-wife and tell her how sorry you are for the way you treated her. Maybe you do. But I'm not saying that's always appropriate. But here's what I am saying. If the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart as a Christian that you know you need to be reconciled with someone, you need to go do it. It will bring the blessing and the favour and the goodness of God upon you in increasing measure. If you stay bitter, if you stay twisted, it affects you in the inside. Anybody ever worked this one out? When Jesus said, forgive those who sinned against us. Ever, ever noticed that the reason why he said that was so that you would benefit? Because when you forgive, when you release, you're free. When you hold, you keep it close, you're bitter, you're twisted, you're not free. So if there's anything today as a Christian, I'm talking to Christians here, if there's anything you think, I've got to make restitution or I've got to go and be reconciled, I would encourage you with all my heart, go do it. Go do it. Ask God to be with you. Maybe someone may go with you, but go do it. Put it right. And the blessing and the goodness of God will be upon you in increasing measure because you honour Jesus and you do what pleases him. All right? So let me say this in closing. If you are someone who, is a, who would claim to be a Christian, maybe like Thomas, you claim to be a Christian, you, fought, you love Jesus, and you're struggling and you're stuck and you're addicted in some area of your life, we're here to help. We're not here as pastors to say we're perfect, we've got it all together, come to us. No, we're people who say we keep needing to walk in that freedom ourselves every single day. We'll help you because we love you and we care for you. We've got ladies too who will help, men and women here in the church who will help you and support you. Maybe you could get alongside someone to help you with things that you're finding difficult and you're struggling with and you don't seem to be moving forward then you seem to keep getting trapped and stuck and held back all the time we want to see you free and that's only possible because as we sung today jesus paid it all all your pawn all your filth all my filth all my pride and lying and stealing you name it he paid it all i'm going to say this one last thing he only had to do it once Praise God. He doesn't have to repeat it again. We don't have to have a repeat sacrifice every week or every month or every year. Like in the Old Testament when the priest had to go up regularly. No, no. He's done it once and for all. And you and I can come into the glorious freedom of that. Let's, shall we stand when we pray? And we're going to worship God just for a few moments. And let me encourage you to respond to what we have shared. If you are someone, um, if we could have one or two people at the prayer bar in a moment that would be helpful if you're someone who is a christian and you want some prayer ministry and help please make your way over to the prayer banner and we'll have people there to pray for you and support you if you're someone who's come today and think and thought my goodness what on earth is this right can i just say this um something that i felt really impressed upon my heart before i preached today i feel a weightiness to this today 
For me, this is a weightiness. I've had roughly about half an hour of your time. You might never hear it again. I have to make sure. The weightiness upon my life today is this. I need to make sure I honour God and his word and I tell you it straight like it is because you might never hear it again. Today's the day. Don't put it off. Don't keep saying, ah, I'll wait till I'm an old geezer. Then when I'm about to die in my deathbed, I might ask Jesus to change me then. Don't waste your life. Come to the Saviour today. Come to Christ today. Have Have that fullness of life for the rest of your days. You need him desperately, as all of us who've come to know him will testify. If you want help with that, you want to seek one of us out here, come and, he- come and talk with us and we'll do what we can to pray with you and support you and help you to come to know the most beautiful person. Father, thank you for your beautiful son. Absolutely stunning when we look at his life in beauty, in holiness, in sinlessness. We worship you, Jesus, the one who died, paid it all, rose from the dead, victorious forever and ever and ever, and lives forever and ever and ever. Amen. He's exalted. We praise you, worship you for your beautiful son. I pray for those today who are just thinking, what's this all about? Help them, Lord. Help them to come to know you and to love you. For those who are struggling with stuff that constantly trips them up, constantly prevents them from experiencing all that you have for them we pray for freedom yeah coming from a scotsman yeah freedom we pray for freedom today lord right across this room people to be set free from everything that binds them chains to be broken by the power of the holy spirit we pray in jesus name amen